You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball Is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball Is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, along with my co-host, Zach Noble. We out here. (laughs) We're going to be recapping the first week of the 2021 NBA season. Man, it's so nice to have NBA basketball back on my television screen. Uh, We're going to kick off today with a new segment that we call Stock Exchange. Uh, We're going to be going down, you know, different different teams or players or scenarios that we're buying or selling high on, down on, so on and so forth. So, Zach, uh, the first thing that stuck out to you so far that you're down on, hit me. Yeah, so the first thing that I'm down on um, would definitely be the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Let's just start out there. I'm not sure if I'm going to blame it on Steph. I mean, he hasn't been great. Let's don't get it twisted. But um, just the Warriors in general, I thought Steve Kerr, I've always thought of him as much higher status as a coach. And um, last year, I mean, I thought he did a fine job developing overall. And, like, I was really liking what I was seeing out of Kai Bauman, Eric Paschal, a lot of these guys that were late picks that were coming out of nowhere. Toscano, man. Um, the, The hyphen, I mean. Anytime you can throw a hyphen in there, they normally do something decent. Uh, but they came out of the gate pretty slow right now, and I think a lot of it is just the madness of Kelly Obre and Andrew Wiggins bricking up everything right now. They're what's that? Kelly Obre is over thirty-two right now. I don't think he's made a shot outside of a dunk currently. Something like that, man. Obre looks. Unfortunately, he looks awful. He's looking like a classic addition by subtraction case for the Suns and a classic putting up numbers on a bad team when he was actually putting up numbers. Um, Golden State. I didn't see like, Phoenix as that bad of a team, though. I mean, he did average 19 for him. He's only 5.7 through three games right now. That's, I mean, that's quite the downfall. I, I don't see that sticking, but man, it, it's a sad, sad story, especially a guy who's worked with the great Drew Hanlon all summer, you'd think he'd be up to snuff. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. I would never, that would have been the last thing I'd guess is Kelly Obrey just go dark. Well, I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. And keep in mind, uh, the reason I say addition by subtraction is because Kelly Oubre was not in the bubble with Phoenix and Phoenix was phenomenal in the bubble. And obviously, right. obviously they've made moves now to, position themselves as an actual playoff team 
And so, again, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm just saying one of those players that, that puts up numbers on a bad team. And then, you know, once they get into a position where the expectations rise, you know, because this is the Warriors, man. And, and yeah. Steph is coming back. Uh, Clay, obviously, they got Ubre prior to Clay going down. And Draymond was expected to be factored into the lineup at that time when they acquired Ubre. So, like, when, when you added him to that, it was, I was thinking, oh, they're going to be good again. I don't know how good, but, but they're going to be good. And now that Draymond's down and Clay's down, and like Ubre needs to step up and kind of be a lot more than he was expected to, he's just falling short. It looks pretty ugly, unfortunately. And yeah, I'm also going to agree. I saw someone tweet something to the effect of something about for the last year or so, Steve Kerr has been coaching the team he wants, not the team he has. Mm. And and that's that's, that's the facts. That's facts, man. Because I mean, he's doing all this stuff. They're, they're, like if if the team, if the iteration of the Warriors that is on the court right now wants to win, they got to use Steph Curry the way that Houston was using Harden. Quite frankly, like he's got to do a lot, and I, I don't think he's capable of it personally because it's really difficult to achieve that. But you got Steve Kerr running all this like off ball. The, the type of stuff that requires rhythm, chemistry, and like yeah. I, ba- basketball IQs being in sync. You know what I mean? Um, and it's just hard to, to run that with like Juan Toscano Anderson and plugging Ubre into the mix. You know, Damian Lee, like Looney, Marquise Chris was playing. Obviously, Marquise Chris got hurt, but these types of, of players, like it's just hard to find that synchronization that the Warriors have been known for. So Wiggins who is a guy who's never met a cut he's ever liked in his life. He's never really cut a day in his life um, <laughs> in the NBA since he got to Golden State. And they said, hey, this is what you do off ball. There's this thing called cutting. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Like if he just learned how to cut Minnesota, his outlook would have been so much more different. Uh, he's just such an isolation player. And then to be thrown in there. Um, with a team that's trying to be all about ball movement. Yeah, I mean, the one great bright spot right now is James Wiseman. Um, He's been very, very good right from the beginning. So um, I will give him that. That is a great thing to see. I mean, he's averaging 14.7, six rebounds, um, splits of 47, 83, and then 64 from the line, which isn't great. But He's, his hands are looking good. His touch is fine. Doesn't look like he's completely lost, but more so he's just a guy that's getting enough touches, and that's kind of how I thought it was going to be this year. It's just they're, they're falling for him. Yeah, I mean, he looks talented, and he doesn't, he doesn't look scared. Uh, he doesn't look scared of the moment. Right. So I think he's going to be a player if, if, he, you know, if he's able to continue to grow with Steph, and even if like Clay comes back and they can – they can maybe still, you know, kind of make a run or something close to it. I think Wiseman's a player. Wiggins, yeah, you're right. He hasn't met a cut that he that he seems to like. He seems to just do that same thing where he backs down to the elbow um, and then does like a little, you know, Kmart brand dream shake mm-hmm. um, and then misses it. Right? Like it just it, it's amazing to me how many players want to play on the ball and be and be prolific on the ball. And totally ignore that their athleticism will be maximized off the ball when they have a full head of steam and all they got to do is catch a ball and finish it. You know, Russell Westbrook also fits into that mold. Like he loves to play on the ball. And when he was in Houston, I just always wondered why, why don't they use him off the ball? Because if he catches and finishes, he's, he's really hard to stop. Same with Wiggins. So all that being said, 
is Golden State going to improve? Are you? I mean, what you buying this? You buying the fact that they're down, or do you think? I don't think they're going to be a down stock for a long time. I'd, I'd buy now because I think there's no way Steph is just fell off the cliff at age 31. There is, there's a way it's happened to a lot of all time greats. I just, I think he's definitely declining. I think he's definitely never going to be prime stuff again. It's going to be one of the shorter primes ever, unfortunately. Um, and this is coming from a diehard stuff fan. Steph's my second favorite player of all time. It's really sad for me to even think about this. And Steph's a guy that's, I just think he's a, he's a guy that always needs great players around him. Okay. There's a, I mean, going to be a lot of context needed with devouring Steph's Curry at Curry's all time standing, but he's not going to be a 25% three point shooter, which he's been the last eight games he's played. I think his numbers are going to get better, but I just don't see it translating to a ton of wins um, until the talent around him gets better. And he's never been a guy necessarily to make players around him better. So Golden State's going to need to make moves or, Players are just going to need to come out of the woodwork somewhere. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> honestly, I'm I'm buying. I'm not buying Golden State being like a bottom feeder team, but I'm buying them being somewhere between seven and ten, maybe six and ten. Um, That's I fair. Mean, Steph, I mean, Steph against Chicago. So when you're when you're carrying this type of load, you know you're going to have games like this. You're going to have games. There's three levels of games. There are the games where you go off and you're just killing it. There are the games, you know, where you you do pretty well. It's not great. It could have been better, but it was pretty well. And then there's games where you just tank, right? Steph's first game or two of the season were in the bottom tier tank. The the game he had against Chicago is is in the middle tier. It's the type of game that I'm expecting to see a decent amount from him. 11 of 25 from the field, 5 of 15 from three, 36 points, six assists, right? Um, four turnovers. Like that's a, that's not a bad stat line, but it's not great. And if Damian Lee doesn't hit that shot, Golden State's mm-hmm. 0 3 right now, right? So I think you're going to see a lot of games like that. I think I think it ultimately comes down to is Draymond enough of a factor to change some things? Right. I think I he will think so. be. I think really? he will be. I mean, in look, there's going to be games against teams like Chicago where a guy like Draymond will have value. Now, if Draymond yeah. is going to have to be counted on to score more, then maybe not, right? He's not like that's not what he does. He's always been like the piece that makes things go. And to that same comment, to what you were talking about, man, I don't think it's a matter of Steph declining. I don't think it's a matter of Steph being outside of his prime. I just think it's a matter of, like, this is what you see. It's kind of like what you see with Trey Young, you know? You can get good games, good numbers. Like, like this is a Trey Young stat line from last, uh, from last season. 11 to 25, 36 points. Like, you could easily see Trey Young doing that. But the Hawks would get into the rack, man. Trey Young is making dudes around him better, and he just went from like a bottom five offensive rating last year. And I mean, I know it's the only first three games, but top offensive rating right now. Well, that's why I said last year, though, because Trey Young's like, I'm not knocking Trey Young. I'm saying the numbers are there, but the team performance is not there yep. because they're both small guards that like require volume and require their three ball to be falling, right? If they don't have the help, it's going to be a game like Bulls Warriors. Whereas um, with a guy like Harden, I think his strength is able to dictate so much that he's able to take on so much of the load that to be in that role, it's just going to be tough for Steph. So I don't know. I see the Warriors maybe six to 10 seed, um, maybe a play in. Last thing on the Warriors, though, real quick what's more likely to stick? Steph through his last eight games shooting 25% from three, or Wiseman in his first three shooting 83% from three? 
more likely to stick Steph at 25% just because there's no way Wiseman's going to have 83%. But look, <clears throat> the greatest three point shooter of all time, wasn't even a three point shooter before he started. Look, Steph's three point percentage is something to monitor. He's going to have a tough looks like this is when you don't have a guy like clay that commands space. And especially when you don't have clay and KD, you're going to have to take tougher looks. Like we're seeing Steph do some of those classic Steph things, but it's not because he's declining. It's just because he didn't have as much open space, right? Like people pull Wiseman up for just three. stole stuff, secret stuff. It, it is one of <laughs> So, so my first one that I was going to say yeah, is, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna come out. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know I'm a Rockets fan. I'm gonna come out and say I am down on Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is being chosen and selected as like a lot of Rockets fans are like, just give me the Ben Simmons package. Trade Harden, give me the Ben Simmons package. Yep. I'm down on Ben Simmons because I think he's unless his offensive game develops to having a jump shot, which at this point is a long shot. If that doesn't happen, I think he's more or less reached his ceiling. I mean, he's giving you 16, eight and eight over the last three seasons, almost identical statistical production for the first three seasons. I don't know where he's at right now, but I think it's close like 15 and seven or something like that. Embiid was out the other night and the the Sixers lost. And you look at Simmons stat line. And he does not get more aggressive. He's not taking over. Like some Rockets fans theorize, and some NBA fans in general theorize, oh, him and Embiid are a bad fit. So if you take Embiid out the middle, Simmons gets to go to work and things open up. And that was not the case the other night. And I, I think that's a product of Simmons just not being aggressive and not having that mentality. He's like a he's a 6'10 pass first deferring point guard, you know? And I think he should be used more so like with his athleticism and his ability to, to score. Um, a four, that dunker spot. That dunker spot is a four, like a Blake Griffin without like the crazy, crazy bounce, but still effective and able to pass better and create a little bit better than Blake Griffin was earlier in his career. Don't over, I mean, underrate Blake Griffin's passing ability. Uh, that's why I said earlier in his career, because um, I think it started shining later. I think earlier he was more of like a phenom athlete, and then he developed later, um, or he showed it off later. But, but yeah, I'm down on Ben Simmons, man. I think he's more or less... I'm starting to lean towards thinking that more or less he has hit his ceiling unless the inevitable slash not probable maybe happens and he starts learning how to shoot for real. Hey, that's completely fine. I'm okay with him being down. I would say it's it's down for the people that think Ben Simmons has a long ways to go, um, being he's not improving a ton. Um, if you look at, I mean, Watching him play, he's the same exact player. He's not no glaring spots by watching the visual aspect of Ben Simmons. But on paper, okay, he's really not improved anywhere, period, besides he's declined in assists. He's gone from eight every year of his career down to 5.7 this year so far. Um, and then blocks, he's up, way up. He's averaged about 0.7 before this year. He's at 2.3 through three games right now. Um, overall though, this team is playing pretty dang good though, because the spacing it's ready showing with the roster, that, uh, Daryl Morey constructed on paper. I think they're ready made for more success. So I've always said Ben Simmons came into this league as an all time talent, even, no matter what. And that's what people always give them grief for is not improving year over year. But I just say, as long as he's improved more intelligently, um, just attacking the hoop, just playing better off ball, 
Um, just little things on the margins. Um, I think he can still end up being an all-time player just of how good and versatile he is defensively. I mean, he's going to rack up. I mean, he's on pace. I mean, just by being who he is, I mean, eight all-star bids, um, five or so all-NBA bids, maybe a defensive player of the year here and there. I mean, I threw out a poll the other day of where's Ben Simmons going to finish all-time, and there's some people out there, there's like – 10, 20% of people were thinking he's going to finish in the top 20, 30. And I'm like, fuck that. No chance. Uh, but majority of people think he'll be a top 80 player all time. Um, I think he's already on pace to be a top hundred, top 80 type guy. Just who he is. That's, that's how good he came into this league. I mean, you have points about his, his defensive ability. I would disagree. I, I don't think, I'm sorry. I would not disagree about defense. Um, my pushback on that would be paying a guy $40 million a year that can't really score. Oh, that hasn't, that hasn't gotten any better at scoring scoring. And so far is averaging one point less per game than he was last season, despite a small sample size with 33% of the sample size, not including Joel Embiid playing, which means Ben Simmons should score more. So it's surprising. And I'd also disagree that they've been playing well. I don't think so, man. I mean, I watched their game against Washington in the opener. They looked bad. They had to come from behind to win. They still looked clunky. Um, they, they still were able to fight back and win against a Washington team that came out of the gates really hot and playing really fast and good. I mean, they, they came back and win. They thumped the Knicks, and then <clears throat> you see Embiid's out, and you kind of see like what they really are. I mean, how heavily dependent they are on Embiid. And they got thumped by the Cavaliers. Um, one thing, though, about the Sixers, and I called this when we talked to David Thorpe, Seth Curry's been balling. Seth Curry has mm-hmm. been impactful. Um, you know, a, a needed change. So good pickup by Daryl Morey. Although Josh, uh, I forget his name. Is it Richardson? Yep. Yeah, He's Josh in Richardson in Dallas has been balling out for Dallas as well. So maybe that's one of those trades that helps both parties. We'll see. But um, but yeah, overall, man, I'm just down on Simmons. I mean, he's a. You're right. He, he's going to be a multi All Star, uh, possibly a, a Defensive Player of the Year somewhere in there. But if he doesn't learn how to score at a higher rate, you know, and if he doesn't learn how to shoot, he doesn't have to even have to shoot threes. Just get some type of range on a jump shot, like a traditional mm-hmm. jump shot, because you need that in your toolbox. And I think he's capped. Some Rockets fans argued that him not getting better at all was a myth. And the, the stat that they cited to me was that his TS percentage has gone up. It went up in year two to year three from like 58 to 60 percent, I think. And when you look into it, the reason for that, in my opinion, is because he actually took one field goal attempt less per year last season. He was six of 12 from the field his sophomore season. Last season, he was six of 11 from the field. And that's a sign like he's taking less shots and he needs to be taking more shots. He's he is shying away from his weakness. And that's why I'm low on his development. So we will see. All right. What is your second? My second down right now. Um, Let's just go into it. Let's get it out of the way. We knew it was coming at some point, Uh, but you're Houston Rockets. Okay. Um, Just down in the overall um, outside uh, supporting cast of James Harden right now. Harden's way up. He's coming out amazing, working his butt off on both ends, um, putting in effort, showing his worth. Uh, his stock is sky high, but the, the chances of Houston hanging on to him is lingering. And it really is. I mean, I truly think if they start out 0-3, 0-4, um, they're in must-win territory right now. 
Um, if I'm James Harden, I want out of there. If you're zero and three, zero and four, just it's not easy to come back from that. And just believing in your team, don't want to go to a new team without um, a good enough uh, sample size to be able to get ready for the playoffs in a shortened season. So every game's going to matter a lot more this year. Uh, Harden came out of the bat doing something that nobody else has ever done. Forty-four and seventeen. Um, nobody's done it more than two times. Okay. That was the second time, um, him putting up a stat line of 40 on 15. So dude's making history right out of the gate. He's shooting incredibly, uh, attacking at will. Uh, but how are you feeling about your rocket? Um, I agree with you. I agree with you, you know, but at the same time, like if they go Oh three and Oh four, then things start to get worrisome, especially with John wall back and boogie back and all that. At the same time, uh, if you look at the West right now, the Pelicans are, are currently in first place. Um, right. And so, you know, the teams that are either at or below 500 include the Lakers, the Warriors, the Nuggets, uh, and the Mavericks. So there's a lot of basketball left to be played. The Rockets are the only 0-2 team in the West, unfortunately. But I think James Harden, you know, recognizes, obviously, the circumstances, you know, that lead to that. I mean... A lot of the hype around the Rockets was centered around John Wall being a better fit with Harden than Russell Westbrook was and also amplifying them defensively. And then also DeMarcus Cousins bringing what he brings to the table, which in the two specific matchups the Rockets had to open the season against uh, Portland and Denver, they really needed a guy that simply was as tall and heavy as DeMarcus Cousins in order to, you know, like the Rockets were getting posted up by Nurkic. They were getting posted up by Jokic, and the offense was revolving around specifically Jokic. Jokic had a, a monster night last night. He was, he was absolutely unstoppable. And I'm not saying DeMarcus Cousins is a defensive plug, but he's just he heavy. He bang with those guys. They needed that. It really showed against those two. And Wood tried. He worked hard, and he did okay at times with his length and athleticism. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, you need to Marcus Cousins out there to get beat up and PJ Tucker's size gets exposed to both those teams who I think are going to be really good all year. Yeah. And, and look, Christian Wood is averaging 27 points a game in the first two, two games uh, in the first quarter last night, he started out three of three from three, which Rockets fans are going crazy myself included. Cause that is a very welcome site. So you, you keep all of that in perspective and you remind, you remind yourself that two of the three guards that Houston is depending on have not been playing, Eric Gordon and John Wall. And they are two-way guys. They're going to make a, a big impact for Houston defensively. Houston has really looked disjointed defensively. Um, and, I, you know, again, I mean, they're just playing two of the nine guys that they've been playing are not NBA players yet in Bruno Caboclo and Broderick Thomas. Broderick Thomas undrafted out of Truman State University. Shout yeah, out to Truman. shouldn't be on the Ross. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Truman State. I mean, I, I had a friend who played football for Truman state. It's not exactly a big school um, that produces professional athletes. So, you know, they've got those guys like Broderick Thomas is your backup point guard. When Harden goes out, Broderick Thomas is bringing up the ball. So I think it's too early. I'm not down on them yet. Um, I would, I would buy now, you know, I think again, when these guys come back now, Sacramento has been playing good basketball and Houston's next two games are against Sacramento. So hopefully they don't run in to some kind of, you know, young energetic buzzsaw. But you get Wall back, you get Gordon back, you get DeMarcus Cousins back. Ben McLemore is still not going to be joining the team because I think he had COVID or is under the COVID protocols. But you get those three guys back and all of a sudden everything changes. 
Um, Harden's usage through the first two games of the season is already lower than at any mm-hmm. point in the in the Mike D'Antoni era. Obviously, it's two games. Yeah, yeah, we know. But you would think with everyone out, you okay, you know, I'm sorry. Right. You, you know with, ev- with everyone out, if Harden's usage was up, A, they might have won one of the games. B, you know Mike D'Antoni would be relying on his usage. But Steven Silas is, is pulling the right strings still, keeping his usage down. So when those guys come back, man, I think it'll be on. They're going to spread the floor. They're going to change everything defensively as well. Um, all of a sudden, you go from, I don't know, James Harden in your backcourt to now defensively, John Wall and Eric Gordon will also be there. So we'll see. And we need Benny too. We need Benny back. And uh, we've always said this team could be Harden's best team of all time um, if they all stay healthy and found a way, but not obviously off to a good start. And yeah, there, there's no broken bones involved, but uh, missing games is missing games. And uh, whether it's based on responsibility or not, not a good look for, for Harden, who found a way to be there for game one when everything he went through, we didn't see that coming. Real quick, Give me a prediction of when's trade rumors going to heat back up. What's going to have to happen? Because I truly think if they start 0-4, he sees, say, Wall, Gordon get back and sees them. Even if they play good, they, ha- they have to find a way to win. So that, that's my prediction uh, because I know if I'm James Harden in this situation, I want out of there at 0-4, 0-5, no matter how much you believe in everybody else, which it doesn't seem to be a ton from his end. Yeah, I mean, no question. Look, the only way he stays in Houston is if they win, period. We've seen um, how quickly narratives can shift, right? We went from trade trade James Harden now to, you know, Kevin O'Connor and a couple couple other, like, big-name basketball analysts saying, hey, watch out for Houston because Christian Wood's that good after the Portland game, right? After the Portland game, you didn't hear a soul talking about trading James Harden. So things can change quickly. If they lose to Sacramento and go 0-3, I think you're going to start hearing the trade talk heat right back up. Um, if they go 0-4, uh, then I think they're definitely, definitely going to ratchet up the trade talk. You know, So it's going to go game by game. If they start winning, you're going to see the narrative shift towards – I said this on a, on a Locked on Rockets podcast. I said you just – you got to watch for that hardened meter to see if it's going to teeter, buddy. <laughs> Because depending on which way it goes, right? If they start winning, it's going to tear one way. If they start losing, it's going to go all the way the other way. Um, I, w- I want to see this thing play out. I want to see it go 10, 20 games at least. And I, I'd love to see it because I, I really like this team and what's not disappointing, but uh, ready to go. So, to- so I'll take that and I'll, I'll segue directly off this into things that we are up on. There we go. Stocks on the rise. And right on the riding on the coattails of your Rockets pick, my stock that was rising was James Harden. James Harden has, I mean, two weeks ago, the city of Houston was about to turn on him. The entire NBA was trashing him. Mm-hmm. You got Miami Heat fans saying, oh, no, we wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for Harden because Harden would go to the strip clubs and doesn't fit our culture. Blah, 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 blah. Strip clubs, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then he comes out, and I mean, he might be the best player in the NBA through the first two games, 44 and 17. Uh, last night, I think he had 34 points on like 10 of 16 shooting. He's averaging what? What is that? 44, he's 39. I think he's averaging 39 points a game and like 13 assists a game, something crazy like that on like 59, 58% from the field. Uh, don't even know what his TS percentage is, but I'm sure it's wild. 
So he looks incredible. There was the photo circulating about him looking out of shape and, and overweight. People said, Skip Bayless said hardest Harden looks 10 pounds overweight, all this stuff. But man, he comes out and he's balling, hitting clutch mm-hmm. shots against, against the Blazers. I mean, the Rockets were only in the game at any point against the Nuggets because Harden was going off. So Harden stock is rising. I mean, you saw people with disrespectful trade packages. And I think these first two games <laughs> immediately reminded everybody that the cost of the brick is going up if you want James Harden. Absolutely. Yeah. And anybody who says, uh, oh, but he's losing and you're, no, he could have easily won both these two games. He was in it. I mean, his plus minus is just fine. His true shooting percentage, by the way, through two games, 81.3%, just absurd. Ooh. And he's doing this in little, little minutes. I mean, Drop 34, 6, and 8 in 27 minutes. Let's, let's be real here. Um, and he's playing with G-leaguers and guys who shouldn't even be in the NBA at times, uh, but losing to really good teams too. So, I mean, he's keeping it competitive. Silas tanked the last game, so let's, let's be honest. Okay, so uh, my next up is the king himself, uh, Lou Dort. Okay, Lou Dort. Have you been watching? Have you watched Lou Dort recently? I haven't watched, but I saw his box score the other night. It was pretty wild. Yeah. So there was points, first five, two seven, games. Three. Yep. 21 4 2, um, a 23 PER, uh, 61% from the field, 55 from three. This is one of the best small sample sizes you're going to get uh, from a player. I mean, if he keeps this up, he could. Definitely be in the running for most improved player. Never going to give it to a second-year player. Uh, but this guy, he's also D'ing up. He did amazing on Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell went like three for 20 yesterday um, while being guarded by Dort most of that time. So this guy is here to stay. He's improving like crazy um, all the way around, um, translating from the bubble and from that Rockets experience um, that he helped take the seven games. So are you buying and or selling the way Lou Dort's coming out? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it so far. Um, there's a gentleman on Twitter named Sam Quinn who is very high on Lou Dort. And I have clowned him for that take. I think, I think he said something about he'd rather have Lou Dort than like a lotto pick in the most recent draft. And I clowned him for that take. And Sam, you cheeky little bastard so far. Uh, so, so far you're looking good on that. So yeah, Lou Dort looks great. Um, now sometimes that stuff happens when you don't have an option, right? So we gotta, we gotta wait that out. I mean, OKC doesn't really have many options, so he's getting his chance. Would he do that on a contender or on like a middling team? I don't know. You have to give him credit for how he's playing. I mean, 26 points on five of seven from three kind of looks like he picked up just where he left off. Uh, in that game seven of the playoffs where he was deadly against the Rockets. So good for Lou Dort. And I mean, obviously he brings, he brings what he brings to the table defensively, which, you know, if he's giving you that type of, of offensive production, if he's improved his shooting like that for real, we'll, we'll see. And if he's still Ding up at that rate, then, you know, hell of a pickup for OKC. Yeah. I don't see his percentages staying this high throughout uh, by any means, but I do think, I mean, his numbers are going to be much much up throughout the whole year, just based on usage and what they need out of them going forward here. Um, who, who's one of your ups? So we already talked about Harden. Um, next, I was going to say Trey Young. Mm. Trey Young's playing lights out, man. Hell of a player. I mean, 
there was a brief stint where people wondered whether Atlanta made a mistake trading Luca and taking Trey Young instead. And I think we, I think we're pretty much definitively at the juncture where, like, you can't go wrong with either of those guys. Trey Young looks phenomenal. Atlanta's three and O. You know, it's his what third season? I think third or fourth season. Hey, uh, me and you've been buying both. I mean, all Trey Young stock. I mean, we're all in on this guy. Uh, he joined Michael Jordan recently as one of two players in NBA history to have 37 points, five assists, five rebounds in less than 27 minutes. That's That was unfathomable. Um, wow. Anytime you're in the same categories as Michael Jordan, it is what it is. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm definitely buying Trey Young. I mean, that's a simple pick. Anyone who says they're not, I don't want to spend time discussing basketball with you. Uh, and then I will make... Unless you have anything else to say on Trey, I was going to go with my third up. Go for it. Um, and this is a combo pick just because it's two teams that I think kind of resemble each other in some ways, at least philosophically. But Indiana and, and San Antonio, uh, I, had counted, I had counted the Pacers out. I had counted the Pacers out because they were switching coaches. There were rumors of Oladipo wanting out. There's rumors of uh, Miles Turner getting traded. I just thought there would be dysfunction and some type of like hangover effect. Um, but no, man, they're three and zero. They look, they look good. They look like they have continuity. Uh, they look, you know, they look like they're poised to make the playoffs again. And then the Spurs. I mean, I saw hey, the real Rockets. quick though. It's a bonus right now. Oh, ball! I out. mean, he he's going to make an argument for first team this year. All NBA first team. He's going to try, but I mean, he'll probably end up being second or third. Uh, dude's leveling up again this time from three. His attempts are up two and a half from last year. Yo, read me his stats real quick on the season. Yeah, so 37 minutes, um, 57 from the field, 44 from three. Free throw, is that's where he's struggling right now. He's at 58. Rebounds are 11. Assists. This is the insane thing that he's doing. He's up from five, a career high last year, to seven right now. Um, uh, steal and then .3 blocks while averaging 24, which is six up from last year. So if he was able to somehow keep this close to the stat line, um, he has all year, which wouldn't shock me, to be honest. It wouldn't. Um, no, none of those numbers are that outlandish in my estimation. The assist might be a little on the higher end than anything, but um, if he can do 24 and 11, he could win most improved player of the year, I think. 24, 11, and 7? That's what yes. he's at right now? on no, 54, That is 40. souped up Draymond right there. That is Blake Griffin Detroit numbers. Yeah, that's Blake Griffin. Um, yeah, good for him. There's a lot of, I love, I just love seeing the big men that, that can pass. I love it. Um, and I love that the NBA is starting to kind of shift towards like big men passing and shooting. You know, it's kind of weird. How, Our favorite spot, the high post. Right? It's, I mean, it's amazing. I wish, uh, wish Rick Adelman was still around to take advantage of some of these, these talents and passing from the high post. So Indiana, and then the Spurs. I was going to say the Spurs. I saw the Rockets play the Spurs in... Um, the preseason and the Spurs didn't look good at all. Honestly, the Rockets thumped them um, in my estimation, at least. And they did definitely thump them in the last game without John Wall and Boogie Cousins and San Antonio was, was playing its rotation, but they're three and oh, um, or no, no, they're two and one. Yep. Just lost to the one. Pelicans by just uh, end of the game. Oh, yeah. Just, shit. just lost to the Pelicans, but they whooped up on Memphis and I I'm forgetting their other win. Um, the lost, Raptors. Yeah, you're right. They they lost to the Spurs. Lost, or sorry, the Spurs beat the Raptors. Uh, they beat the Grizzlies, 
and they lost to New Orleans. Real quick, I was going to also point out, I, we, didn't, we didn't cover this, but Toronto has been disappointing so far as well, over uh-huh. two. So something to, something to keep note of. Uh, if you listen to our predictions about the Eastern Conference, I had initially predicted Toronto to finish sixth, so maybe I'll end up being right um, or closer to right. We'll see. But uh, for the last take that we got on this episode, Zach, what's the last thing, team, player, NBA thing that you are up on? that you are buying on right now. Are you ready for this? So this guy went through hell, went through misery as being a number one overall pick. And every year, the last two and a half years, he's been getting better and better going from seven to eight to 12. Now he's up to 21 points. That's Markel Fultz with the Orlando magic. Um, Yes, his three-point shot is still a little iffy. That's going to be the biggest thing going forward, what he can do there. But, um, I mean, let's give him credit. I mean, he's averaging four and a half assists, a steal, half a block. But he's averaging 21 off great efficiency from the field at 49%. Um, How are you feeling about Markell? Still getting to the line at the highest clip of his career, four free throw attempts a game, 92% from the free throw line. Yeah, he's been incredible, man. Um, I have him, I did not have him preseason, but based on these first three games, and also Orlando's 3-0, and so that is important to note. I have him as a serious contender for most improved player. Um, I, what are his stats exactly? I think he had like 27 one night and like 21 the other night. Yeah, he's averaging 21, 4, and 4. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty solid. Really awesome to see him taking... Um, a leap, you know, it was really weird. I mean, I know he had like the shoulder injury. I have torn my labrum and I have subluxed my shoulder um, and subluxed it multiple times. So I kind of understand what he, what he went through to some degree, especially in terms of the mental aspect. Um, But at the same time, it's also kind of perplexing to me because my rehab went really well. So I don't know what his story, what his story has been, but it's regardless, it's nice to see him starting to reach potential, you know, guys that are number one picks and flame out like that has to mess with you to some degree. So it's really cool to see him starting to bounce back. Um, and I hope he, I hope he continues, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's arguably been the second or third best player for the magic this year, uh, right behind Vooch and, um, Fournier, uh, and Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon. So I'd say he's probably number two right now is playing the best. I agree with that. And like we said, Orlando is three, and oh, so, if he continues to play this well, if he continues to shoulder, shoulder this type of load um, and Orlando continues to win, then I think we're going to hear a lot more about Markel Fultz. Are there any, any things you want to just mention real quickly that we didn't get to touch on um, that you've kind of noticed or that has stood out to you so far in this first week? Sexland, baby. I'm all in on Sexland. Our guy Colin Sexton and Darius Garland Jr. has having quite the improvement this year on his end. Um, their climate charts is the best backcourt in the league right now. Maybe they can be in the top seven by year's end if things keep going this way. I just like their overall roster. I mean, the depth, uh, JB's doing a heck of a job right now, but I just hope they're not um, one of the teams that come out of the woodwork of taking advantage of the good team struggling, you know, uh, versus actually being legit. So that's the thing I'm wary of. I'm not 100% sold on Cavs being 
uh, in contention all year, but uh, 3-0 start, can't ask for much better than that right now. Yeah, and, you know, we're kind of in that phase. We're definitely still in that phase where we don't know what's what. We don't know what's for real. You know, teams had a shorter-than-usual training camp, especially for teams that have acquired new players. Like, that's difficult. Um, so we're going to find out more. It's probably going to take about 15 or 20 games until we really start seeing teams settle in. I was going to add that one thing that perplexed me is Milwaukee getting blown out by the Knicks. We'll, we'll see what, what oh, that, was the, that was the loss of the beginning of the year for sure. Right. We're going to have to see what happens there. They are one and two, um, albeit on like a random side bank shot from, from Tatum. So we'll see what happens with them. I didn't want to, I didn't want to raise, raise any red flags just yet, but uh, that will do it for this episode of the Noble and Roost show. So please rate, subscribe, share it to a friend. All of that stuff helps. And uh, if you have any questions or tips or comments, hit us both up on Twitter. And until then, yeah. Stay blessed.